That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Batman is a diamond. You can do anything to him, and he won't break. Frank Miller. Bad Fuss Radio got old fish fingers in. Sunday, boys. Sunday's are back. Uh, Burn, baby! Bat Force Tom. His name's Tom's from the Bat Force. And a uh, little bit of history happened last night where Bat Force Tom was reporting for the Bat Force on the ground at a Barnes & Noble in uh, The Grove in California. Frank uh, Miller was doing a talk and a signing, legendary Frank Miller. And who decided to show up, Tom? Well, uh, we'll set the scene real quick. <clears throat> um, started out with... Uh, this is a very, very low-key event. It wasn't really reported too much. Uh, our good buddy Legends of Lego Batman actually turned me on to it. A chicken ball shout-out right there. Um, but uh, anyways, yeah, so he, about a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, he was like, hey, you know, there's going to be this Frank Miller signing in Barnes & Noble at the Grove. Um, I had been to events at the Grove before. They had a Jeff John signing that I went to. Really cool, really cool. Uh, real low-key, real small. What they have you do is they have you show up and you got to buy a book. Uh, by the author to give you a wristband and then you get to come back and, uh, you get to come back with the wristband and then the book and then you can have a couple more items uh, signed so um, we showed up early man we got there at 7 there's about maybe 40 to 50 other people already in line um, we got our wristband at the same time actually it's 9am on or I'm sorry at 9 we lined up at 7 they were handing out wristbands at 9 so as they're handing us our wristbands we were on our iPad trying to get San Diego Comic-Con badges for Legends of Lego Batman, and we were successful, but uh, got our wristbands, um, and after we got our wristbands, we came back at about 5, the event was at 7 p.m. While we were gone, I realized, I found online through social media that there was another signing, Andy Kubert and Frank Miller were doing a pop-in signing uh, at, a, at a comic shop called Le Legacy Comics in uh, Glendale, California, really cool shop. Uh, I've found some gems in there before, and uh, they just were doing a really. I guess that those that shop, you know, they they put they broadcasted a little bit, but you had to buy like tickets in advance to do it. Whatever, 150 people uh, got the advance tickets, and then if there was time before 2 p.m., everybody else could go in and get stuff signed. And the, so we got back uh, about 5 p.m., um, and when we got in line, uh, we got we got in pretty early, so we were probably like you know three 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 rows back. Um, they said that you can only get two items signed. They told us that you can get the, the book that he, the recently released 30th anniversary Dark Knight Returns book. You can get that signed. And then one other item signed. Uh, the book that they gave us to get signed that you had to get signed was the 30th anniversary. And it's not even, I'm looking at it right now. This shit isn't even the 30th anniversary version. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. It's the soft cover Batman, the Dark Knight Returns. It's, it's just the new, the, oh wait, you know what? I'm, I'm lying. It is the 30th anniversary. <laughs> oh, thank God for that. Oh, my Lord. I was really worried then. <laughs> it's, a so it's like a flimsy soft cover. It's almost the exact same as the, as the other one that was released in the 2000s. But it's not even a hard cover. It's really small, soft. And then two weeks ago, they came out with that deluxe edition, remember? Or maybe it was about a month ago. Mm -hmm. That oversized hard cover. It's not even that. Anyways, you had to get that signed. One other item. I took my leather-bound complete Frank Miller. 
uh, to get signed, uh, which includes the Santa story. And so, um, you know, so we're third row. Oh, shit. Fuck, the nurse is here. God damn it. You gotta admit, I played this stinking city like a harp from hell. <laughs> da, da, da. So, uh, <clears throat> so we came back at 5 p.m. and uh, we started, we were third row. Um, and uh, they're shuffling everybody into the, to the seats and all that. There's a nice little setting upstairs in Barnes and Noble at the Grove. It's uh, kind of, you know, I don't think there's, it's perfect for kind of like small Q&A settings. And uh, so first the person comes out and they're like, all right, you know, you, you can sign the book that you bought here plus one other book. Um, there'll be a short Q&A at the beginning. And then afterwards there'll be, uh, you know, the, the, the meet and greet and that's it. Then you go home. Uh, you know, the usher Frank in, and he walks in, everyone cheers, sits down. And then actually right before he came in, Dan DiDio and Jim Lee uh, kind of walk over. And Dan was kind of like the moderator. So he sits down with Frank. And Jim Lee's over in the back kind of just filming everything. And uh, DiDio starts, hey, you know, all right, you know, we're here for the 30th anniversary of Dark Knight Returns, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, we owe this man a great deal of gratitude for the great work that he's done. And he goes, why don't we start off with some questions and answers? And at that point, I had flipped on my phone and started recording. So you'll hear that. And uh, a couple of people asked me questions before I was able to kind of, um, um, you know, actually put my recording up. But the first question was, uh, Frank, what inspired you to first write The Dark Knight Returns? Uh, which he's never been asked that question before, right? That's a great so, question. Yeah, great question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, so he said, I got mugged. He goes, I got mugged in New York when I was living there. And he said, um, I felt I was probably as pissed as Batman would have been at one point. Um, and so he says, that inspired me to write the story. And he says, and also a lot of other things that were going on at the time, politics and, um, you know, things in the news and gangs and that kind of thing and the state of New York. And so he kind of gave that answer. And then uh, I think somebody else asked the question of um, if you could uh, if you could like look at one other piece of work that's your favorite aside from The Dark Knight Returns, what would it be? And I think he said 300. 300 was his favorite because he he that was his favorite thing to do. Um, and then I actually, I actually, I was fucking mad cause I didn't put my thing on, but I asked a question. I asked them, um, what's it, what's it like for you? Cause you know, I, I showed pictures to you guys of, um, the whole parking lot It's a huge parking structure and the elevators and escalators down, uh, they have these huge kind of walls. So while you're going down, you know, there's these like 10 feet posters, 10 feet, 10 foot posters and, uh, a bunch of, they were all, the entire parking lot was decked out Batman versus Superman stuff. And, um, you know, there's just huge posters of an iron Batman, uh, armored Batman facing off against uh, Superman. Um, so you can't avoid it, man. If you're parking at the Grove, you're going to see all these posters for Batman and Superman. So my question was, hey, Frank, I don't know if you came in through the parking structure, but what's it like for you seeing an armored Batman suit, you know, in real life coming in a feature film? What is what is that? What's that like for you? And he, he, was, he's, he, he was like keeping it real simple with all his answers. But he goes, well, I think it looks pretty spiffy, don't you? And uh, he's just like, and he goes, no, he goes, I, he says, I think it looks great. He goes, I think the design looks great. And then he goes, you know, and it's exciting. It's something that you didn't think, you know, you never really thought that this would come out in a film and to see it actually come into life because it's something else. And so uh, a couple other people like ask, you know, a question here or there, but right as, right as um, somebody finished their question, the moderator came out. Oh no, Dan said, actually, is there's a question in the back? I think someone has a question in the back. And as he's saying that, everyone turns, and the moderator walks out with Stan Lee, like through a, through a huge crowd of people that have been forming. So you see Stan, and you just hear gasps. 
And then I think I said, oh, Stanley, Stanley. And then everyone's like gasping, applauding. And um, we'll, we'll splice that audio together to kind of give you hopefully a, a streamlined uh, of, uh, I think I was taking audio of that moment. And then as that moment happened, you hear Stanley say, I've got a, I've got an important question from, for an important person. And so I switched off from audio <laughs> and I, I switched on the video at that point. And then you see the video of Stanley said, who would win, Batman or Captain America? And uh, as he asks that question, like the fucking crowd erupts, right? So Stan walks up on a stage, he shakes Frank Miller's hand and he sits down and he says, you know, and uh, I guess, you know, I obviously Stan seems to be kind of um, up on maybe just talk, maybe as far as current comics and stuff. Because uh, he obviously had some idea that people have been giving Frank Miller shit either for the Dark Knight Strikes again or maybe for this one, for Dark Knight 3. Uh, but he's aware of people giving Frank Miller shit. Um, so he said it about two or three times. He goes, and you better be nice to this man or you guys better be cool with this man or else you're going to answer to me and Captain America. <laughs> and so he sits down and Frank Miller um, looks at him and he goes, to answer your question, who would win? Uh, Captain America or Batman? And he goes, neither. It'd be Robin. <laughs> Basically saying, like, fucking Batman doesn't even have to bother. He'll just send Robin to go face, you know, um, <laughs> to go face him. And so they sat down for a bit, and I wish I would have been able to record this part, but I was fumbling, you know, I was fucking so happy. I mean, everyone was going nuts, dude. Stan <laughs> Lee is sitting at a table with Frank Miller, and you know, everyone is taking pictures. Everyone so is cool. like, freaking out you know you know what i love um <clears throat> with that video you posted on the bat force um it, it feels like stan is the perfect representation of marvel whereas frank miller is the perfect representation of dc because you have stan there and he's animated and he has his fist in the end he's like captain america and then when your phone shifts over to frank he's like He's like sitting down. He has like a, a black jacket with a black hat on. He looks like he's yeah. brooding almost and just yeah. serious. True. Um, you can yeah, just see talking. the contrast, you know, in personalities. And uh, yeah, it's it's it, it's interesting that you say that because that's totally what you got in the vibe of the room. Like Frank is like the dark, cool, calm, like late, like not laid back, but you know, you could. You, it's almost like you can't tell what he's thinking by his facial expression. Like his his face doesn't always, you know. Uh, you don't you don't always see what's what he's thinking until he says it so stan on the other hand yeah he's bright he's colorful he's happy you know he's coming into the room and obviously it lights the room up because it's fucking stan lee everyone's going you know but i think not, not so much that it was stan lee the fact that it was stan lee and frank miller at once you know what those are the two most important men probably in comic book history right yeah, mm -hmm. two of wow. I would say if you're if you're if you're if you're saying Marvel and DC and you're making around Mount Rushmore, you'd have to fucking put both those guys. Yeah, up. yeah. They they would for sure be up there, you know. Um, and then you know Jack Kirby maybe and a couple other guys, but the, definitely them too for sure. You know maybe Bob Kane and Bill Finger, Rob, Rob Liefeld <laughs> <laughs> and Anna Connor. Um, oh, 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 punch to the nuts. Man. <laughs> but on a serious, but on a serious note, if anyone ever needs. To hear Stanley's uh, voice being 
reacted. Tom, that was a, that was a great job of doing Stan Lee. <laughs> da, da, da. This is Stan Lee coming from New York City. And if you like superheroes, you'll like listening to Bat Force Radio. <laughs> Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then he's... It's funny because another thing, too, it's like both those guys are old school New York. And you could hear it in their voices. You could pick up like off their personalities. They have a way about them that that can only come from, you know, a time period in New York from years ago. There's, you just don't make them like that anymore, these guys. Frank definitely embraced everything about New York, especially the old grittiness of it, which I love. So, uh, and, yeah, and it's just like um, a lot see, of presence isn't there when you see those two. Yeah, man, it's just like it's you get this the sense of like these guys have been through some shit. They've seen some shit. These guys. You know, they've lived through, like, some of the most important times of, you know, uh, history. And, uh, you know, Frank Miller, probably not as much because he's, you know, about 40 years younger than Stan. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's uh, where, he's from the East Coast. But where is he from? Like, I think he's from Vermont, I think. Or Maryland, maybe. Yeah, he's from the East Coast. But he eventually moved over to New York. But you get that sense. East Coast, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Both he's those guys. Right? Yeah. They have a little it, um, I think Graham said that... Um... His mother was um, a military nurse or something. Frank kind of grew up, you know, hard, like pick yourself yeah. up, hard, kind of suck it yeah. up kind of stuff. Yeah, you definitely get that sense from him. Tom, so, what was the interaction like? I mean, it wasn't, obviously it wasn't hostile, but it was like, you know, like two old friends kind of catching up when they're sitting up in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah. I think when they when they got up, and I think, um, so when they got up there, they sit down, and then it was mainly Stan talking and just kind of like stroking Frank Miller's ego, which was crazy. But he was he basically said, you know, um, we, you know, we have so much to be thankful for, for you kind of taking the reins on these characters of these superheroes and bringing them to life in your own beautiful vision. And he's basically just kind of like, it was, it was very much a, hey, this is the 30th anniversary of The Dark Knight Returns. Hey, it was one of the most important books in comic history. And it was felt not only from DC, but from everywhere. And he mentioned that. He says, you know, everyone in Marvel, when this book came out, everyone was like, oh, my God, like, this is completely different. There's nothing else that's ever been done like this. And um, he said that, you know, there was talk all through the Marvel, all through the Marvel chain of command about this book. And um, and uh, he mentioned how he goes, you know, you, you did great things with the characters over at Marvel. And then he says, I, and he looks at Dan DeDio and he goes, now I hope that we can convince you to come back to Marvel. And then everyone fucking went crazy for that, you know. Um, and so like, uh, and then everyone looks at Dan DiDio and Dan's like putting his hands on his head and shit, like shaking his head. Um, but it, it was just, it was amazing, man. He wasn't there for long. He was maybe on stage for at most maybe four to five minutes because he came over and he said, um, um, what did he say? He said, you know, I, I have to get going cause I have some other things that I got to do. And I don't, I don't know if there was later a picture that Dan DiDio posted online where it was from probably a green room that wasn't on stage. Or maybe it was, maybe it was after the signing, but they're both sitting in these leather chairs that were not on the stage. Um, so either they had like a get together before or they had one after where they probably talked a lot more then. But it was just fucking crazy, man. Like it was just so surreal that I even, I, I wish I would have recorded it because I kind of forgot some of the things they said, you know, but but Stan was basically just kind of giving them a congrats for basically saying thank you, you know, thank you for changing the comic industry. And, well, look uh, what he did with Daredevil. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, I was just, just going to say, do you reckon if, like, you know, it, it probably won't happen, but if he was to go back to Marvel, do you reckon he would he would go back to Daredevil? Yeah, they, 
of what he did at Marvel, do you reckon it would be Daredevil? Someone asked him that. Someone asked him, would you ever go back and, and fine-tune anything at Marvel? And he kind of thought about it, and he goes, no. Like, <laughs> like, like he, almost to get the sense of, like, I already fucking made it perfect. Why would I go back and change it, you know? I love yeah. how he's always wearing Batman shirts now. It's like, yeah, he was, yeah. He, he, was a, yeah, he changed it. He finally changed it. This time he was wearing a, a Batmanga shirt. Yeah, he, yeah, he like has a, three. He has three in rotation. Yeah, dude, that's just cool because it sounds like Stanley was literally out of there respect. And you know, some people were commenting like, "Oh, he's stealing thunder and whatever bullshit no, off the wall stuff." But it's, it's cool. Like, like you said, he was there four or five minutes just to build them up, show there's mutual respect, just yeah, in comics. You know, that's quite the like, most the between most the Titans thing was right afterwards. Uh, he he, there was a copy of Dark Knight Returns on the table. And then so they both stood up, you know, for like a photo op. And there was a bunch of people off to the left. Um, I, I'm assuming they were press who had like nice cameras. And so Stan, knowing knowing that that was going to happen, he picked up the book and held it, like kind of like showing it, you know. And that's just fucking Stanley holding a copy of Dark Knight Returns. Are you kidding me? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I heard Stan couldn't shirt. get good seats. That's why he uh, tried to pick up the mic and hop up front. When you said everyone was gasping in there, I thought you were say everyone was going to turn around and there's Robo Rich. You no, know, that's like <laughs> that's like the Trunkler speaking, and then Robo Rich shows up. That's exactly yeah. what it's like. Rich yeah. is there. It's it's almost like it's almost like uh, the Trunkler is giving a talk on techniques on how to fit more space in your trunk, and then the guy with more figures than you can shake a stick at shows up into the room. You know what I mean? Like, 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 just the, the you know, the two things in, in one. It's just incredible to see. But um, yeah, man, it, it, it was. It was a really crafty way of how they did it. Like you said, with the uh, only two things signed, but you had to buy the. Uh, would you say it was the soft cover for if anniversary? Yeah. yeah, the soft cover one that came. These are bloody crafty buggers. Yep. Yeah, and then you know they they started out by trying to say, oh, you can get one other book signed, but it has to be a DC book. Um, and I don't know if. I don't know whose rule that was. I don't know if it was Dan DiDio's rule or DC's rule or if it was Barnes and Noble's rule, but they didn't. They didn't keep it because everyone was getting Daredevil shit signed. A guy got his three hundred signed. Uh, I saw somebody get an absolute Ronin signed. Um, they, they, I mean, they weren't policing that at all. They, they just, they were keeping it to the two book cap. Was he just uh, signing, or was he doing little doodles as well? No, no, he was just signing. Uh, he just signed. Um, he would personalize it for you. So you, you wrote down your name on a sticky note and uh, he would write your name in it and say to your name, Frank Miller. Um, and I almost wanted to write down, uh, I almost wanted to put my name was Batman head sketch. Um, and so see what he would do with that. If he would just like really quickly do a head sketch, but I don't want to fuck with it too much. Nice. And I, I, yeah, I think it's to keep, you know, the eBay buyers at bay with that one um, that they wanted to make sure to personalize everything. But Hey, I mean, it was awesome. Um, you know, so so basically, after Stan came on, and after they kind of had their little brief interaction, uh, Stan Lee came and went, and then Dan DiDio came back up, and they did like a it, no more question and answer. It was just Dan DiDio asking them questions, and I got the majority of the audio for that. Um, after Stan Lee comes and goes, Dan's asking him questions about the books, and he's asking him about, um, you know, what about this, what about that, and I can't really. I mean, it's all the audio is all in there that you guys will hear in this episode. Um, but man, it's it's incredible. Just you know. You, not many people can say they get to go in a, in a you know go post post uh, Dark Knight three first couple of issues coming out um, hearing him speak about it and hear him talk about it and he's it sounds like he's back man like sounds rejuvenated he wants to be in comics again 
this is kind of his first step. Oh, he gave a lot of credit to Brian Azzarello. Um, he was saying that, you know, Brian Azzarello does, you know, this is his story. And, and, uh, you know, I love, I love the direction that he, I love the things he brings to the table. I think someone asked him who's his favorite character from the Dark Knight Returns universe. And he said, Carrie Kelly. She's going to be a legend. Man. He's yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was crazy, man. Um, just, I, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was only about an hour, maybe an hour and a half total, but that was, time. yeah, it was, it was the coolest hour and a half that I ever fucking experienced as far as being a fan of just, I think anyone who's a fan of pop culture would have been floored to, mm. to kind of see that, you know, it's number one, you're getting to meet Frank Miller, you know, yeah. that's, that's the, it. The, that's all you bucket need. List. Yeah. <laughs> bucket list, bucket list right there. Did you, did number, you shake his hand? Yeah. I shook his hand. Oh, no, did you wash? So you didn't wash your hand, right? I have not washed it in the last day and a half. Yeah. You didn't touch um, yourself in any like you know rude places, with, did you? Like after oh, you check your hands, no, go, st- to... go stand in a corner and face the wall, like. Oh. <laughs> 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 no, but like what? And like you got the ultimate book signed as well, didn't you? Yeah, I got the uh, the Frank Miller, um, the dark, the complete. Uh, the complete Dark Knight. Um, yeah, it's hard right, you get it? the leatherbound sign, man. That leatherbound is yeah. just the best. That's amazing. Yeah. I got the complete, well, the complete Frank Miller uh, Batman signed. Yeah. I'm gonna change my name to Tom by Depot and bring it back to me when I come back to England. <laughs> so I've um, got it. I'm hoping he does something big for um, New York Comic Con. So we, LPC, we gotta make those press passes work for us, man. Oh, yeah. dude, I can't sleep in that day. The one fucking day I slept in, fucking Frank Miller's out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I was—that that sounded like such a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I mean, now unfortunately we're getting older, but like, no, how many more opportunities are gonna be like that ever? Dude, I got there early only because I wanted to get um my Tim Sale stuff signed. I wanted to get their morning signatures, and while I was waiting in the long life NYCC, uh, they were like. Oh, who's coming to the the Dark Knight panel? There's gonna be a special guest, and they started giving out wristbands, and I'm like. Well, fuck yeah, man! It has to be him. You know who else would it Damn be? It. I didn't even plan on it. I went and I was like, "Oh shit!" That time. I, I feel like it was like that for everything. The Jeff Loeb Tim Sale signing that. Um, That's you know, because Jeff Loeb wasn't announced. Yeah, and luckily his wife put us onto that because, dude, I I barely made it in that line to get my stuff signed. <laughs> she wouldn't Halloween shut up sign. about it. It was like a big secret, as you could say. Jeff Loeb's gonna be here, so I was like, LPC, please take my long Halloween, man. Good looks, man. Oh, Fuck man. I jumped over people's head, had to whip out the Jolly Green Giant fucking <laughs> chub. Oh, bird, baby bird. <laughs> ho ho ho, Green Giant. I did that. I was stepping on people's heads to get to the front. Good old boy, LPC. Dude, you met both. You met Jeff Loeb, LPC. You know how hard it is to meet Jeff Loeb. <laughs> that was awesome. You wrote, wrote a little doodle on the inside uh, cover of Long Halloween too. That's insane. Wow. Nice. Wow, we yeah. met a lot of legends in the past year for that for us, huh? It's uh, you know, in uh, Legends of Lego Batman, actually, um, he uh, he's he started a yearbook, uh, so he's got his um, visual history of Batman, the mm-hmm. one that's got the Fable cover and the prints on the inside. Um, he got Frank Miller to sign that, and so he's got Frank Miller on that. He's got Neil Adams on that. Um, Scott Snyder, I think he's got Capullo. He's got he's got a bunch of people. I think he he was able to sign my uh, my hush with uh, I got Jeff Loeb to sign, and then he got Jim Lee to sign it too when he was doing that same book, The Visual History. Mm. Very very cool, man. Yeah. So it's just that I think that's probably you know one of the coolest things is to be able to meet these these creators that I I never thought I'd be able ever able to see Frank Miller after how bad he was looking, you know. I I just oh, you know never gonna happen. It's just fucking yeah. crazy. So cool. So yeah, and then then uh, uh, Legends was saying he goes, man, I you know he's probably gonna be doing more signings now because of 
you know, the success of, uh, of Batman or the Dark Knight Returns, first of all, and because of the movie coming out. Um, and now because of Dark Knight three, you know, he's been doing a lot of pop-up signings. So is he uh, doing the prequel too? He's not doing I think that was, uh, art, art is John Romita Jr. And Brian Azzarello on that. Okay. But I think I mean he's gonna have his name on it. I think I don't know if that's gonna be so happen. cool. You don't want to go to Marvel. He's like no. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because you can tell that um, Marvel is fucking clinging to him. You know what I mean? WonderCon. He wouldn't turn up to that, would he? Or is that nothing? You know. Uh, WonderCon is. We'll get him on line three, Shags. See if. Uh... Hang on, no, I'm, you just never know. I'm just calling up right now, mate. <laughs> you fucking. Burn, baby, burn! Yeah, Tom. Would he not? Would he not bother or something like that? I don't know, man. Never say never at this point with uh, with all this stuff. Well, you might hear that Shay Nix is going, so you never know, mate. Anyways, yeah, man. Great event. And then we're going to play the audio of it, so splice it together. So you guys Do you think hear. they asked Frank Miller for some input on the movie at all? I don't think they... Well, I don't think they did. It doesn't seem like... he. I think he maybe would have said something. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're already pulling a shitload from him, so... Yeah, yeah. Every movie borrows from that. Yeah, yeah every Batman movie. I mean, that's... What's so crazy about it is, you know, Batman completely changed after that book came out, man. That's Everything, like, yeah. you know, yeah, you, not you, just... got, you got elements from uh, Dark Knight Returns in the Dark Knight Rises. Oh, yeah, lots of them. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's, it's definitely. almost impossible to read an arc that doesn't have some kind of Dark Knight Returns influence in it since it yeah. came out. It's everywhere. Two up the bird, boy. Straight yeah. up there. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> 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 no, but that's so cool, Tom. I mean, not a lot of people are going to say they've shook Frank Miller's hand. Yeah. I was going to say, Graham's probably going to want to smell your hand next time he sees you. <laughs> yeah. I feel I, I really hope that Gramps gets the chance to uh, to meet him one time. Gramps will faint. Yeah. Dude, I told him if I, if I knew Frank Miller was going to be at that thing at New York Comic Con, I would have let him, I would just given him my pass to go check that shit out. Because you're fucking quality LPC. You're a real top guy. You're about eight foot tall and you're green. <laughs> Yes, boy. Appreciate it. Yes, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday night Skype is back. Oh shit! Long hiatus. Fucking oh. Friday night Skype. You what the hell? It. We're going all out. We're going all out. All out attack for this 100k. Good people of Gotham, this is Bad Force Tom's wife. Thank you for listening to Bad Force Radio. Now will you take the trash out? Fine. God, do it now. Cheers. Uh, because it's a Batman story, Batman's point of view, and my feeling was that they never would have been that good friends anyway. They, they kind of would disagree on certain fundamental things. Um, I mean, Superman can afford to be as nice about crime as he is. He can fly, and he and he can he can do anything. I mean, he he can he can beat up God if he wants to. Uh, but Batman's in the trenches fighting a much tougher uh, battle, and to me, they were natural antagonists. But also, main reason, main reason for anything, it made a good story. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, see a, I see a question in the back. Do we have a question there? Hey. Stanley. Oh. 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 Wait a minute, I want to ask you something. I have an important question for an important guy. I got over my fear. I just decided that I'd jump in and do it. And, uh, you know, and... and Got ready, just did a lot of research, and and uh, um, when I came up with the idea of making him older than me, I was sold. And how was that received inside the offices when you first pitched that? It was a mix of horror, <laughs> shock, <laughs> terror, revulsion, and nausea. 
no, it was it was very positive, really. There were there were some there were some 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 diehards who didn't like Batman to be, be so mean, but um, Jeanette and Paul in particular backed the book from the beginning. And again, for us, for as for DC Comics, I mean, when Dark Knight came out, it was the first what we called a prestige format. It wasn't a traditional comic. It wasn't saddle stitched. It was square bound. Um, was that your idea, or whose idea was to look and break the format with this particular book? Mine. And why did you want to do that? Because um, one of the things that um, I was really after was um, I wanted comics to move into the, into the more into the graphic novel arena. They'd already begun to do so um, at both Marvel and DC Comics. But comic book shops at the time were completely controlled by, of all things, the magazine spinners that had been made in the 1940s that were used in the shops. Things wouldn't sell as well because there was no shelf space. And so larger graphic novels simply weren't selling. The, the, those, those little plastic bags weren't made for the bigger format, and the spinners weren't. And so I thought, well, let's find a way around this. Let's go for high production values, the best coloring we conceivably get, and just do it smaller. And that's why Dark Knight's the shape it is. Well, it's interesting because actually, my, I bought the Dark Knight from this local store, and it actually has a clip mark on the top because it used to be hanging on the magazines. They used to be hanging on there, so my, I don't have a mint copy of that. Um, but now you're working on the book, you have the support of the company, you have a special format, and you're working through the series. And um, somebody asked you about Superman, which we'll get to a little bit. but. At any point while working on these four books, did you ever feel like you were going to do something that could stand the test of time? That you'd be sitting here 30 years later with this many people celebrating this material? Oh, you always have your dreams. Especially when it's late at night and you've been working real hard for a couple of days. And you're thinking you're doing the, the most brilliant thing there ever was. But no, I had no idea if it would last this long or, or affect people this deeply. It's very flattering, and, and uh, I should say I got very, very lucky. And so now you're working on the book. Was anything ever asked? I know how editors work at DC Comics. Did they ever? Uh, do they? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Did they ever ask you to change anything? Did you ever have to feel like you've compromised anything that you wanted in that original book? That's about as good a question as I could have been asked. Um, and. Um, answer is whether I asked to change anything. The shocking answer is only by the readers. <laughs> DC Comics backed it almost completely. I mean, there was a normal, the normal tension that exists between editorial and talent. Um, nothing unusual. But at first it was, no, no, let me take that back. It wasn't the readers, it was the retailers. At first, they, they loved their old safe world of Batman, and, and many of them we're quite shaken up by, by this new version. However, it came out, people got used to it, the numbers came in on sales, and people got very, very happy. <laughs> and take it from the other side of that question, here you are 30 years later, is there anything that you would want to change in the original work? If you were George Lucas, say, and you went back and changed <laughs> all these movies, <laughs> changed everything. Superman shoots first now. Now the question is, what would you, would you want to change anything inside this book? No. No, it, it didn't work out. Excellent. 
And how do you, of all your bodies of work, how does this stand with everything that you feel you've created over the years? This, you have this beautiful body of work in Sin City, which is spectacular beyond belief. Um, how does this sit within all of this, all the material that you've done? Because it's such an eclectic mix of product. Hell, I don't know. Uh, you know, I just draw the stuff. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I just know what it meant for my career and my life. And, and just, it was one of the turning points in both. Um, it changed the way I looked at comics, the way I looked at my, my, where my, my career could go. Um, it was just, it's just a wonderful um, thing to celebrate. So, so uh, I'm enjoying the hell out of this. <laughs> then we, there was, a, there's the second, which is Dark Knight Strikes Again, and now we're into Dark Knight Three. But when Dark Knight Strikes Again, how was it like revisiting the material? Did you, did it feel weird? It felt, uh, no, it didn't feel weird. I, I just felt um, that the first Dark Knight was so monomaniacally about Batman, about how angry he was and how he, he had to come out of retirement and try to straighten the world out. And all the characters existed only as they related to Batman. Whereas in the second one, I thought, boy, DC's got this wonderful playground with all these cool characters. You know, let's 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 play with them. Let's let's you know see what I can actually do with all, all these screwy characters, including the lousy ones. And and because <laughs> uh, it's really there are no lousy characters once you really play with them. Um, and and so uh, the the first one was it was a was a lifelong reaction to to what had been done before. The second one was a celebration. Interesting. And you said you touched upon other characters. Do you think? You know, you started with Batman because that was a character that resonated with you. Could you have done any other character in this format, in this style, with this tonality out of the DC library, or is Batman the only one you can tell this story with? Wow. Um, <laughs> I, would say, I said I, said I, I was going to make it easy on you. I, no, I would say you don't get that lucky too often. And it was the right character at the right time. Um, and I was... I was um, my abilities were, were ready for the job. Um, so I think that it had to be that character, that book, and, and that year. Interesting. And then you go, we're skipping over something, because it's interesting that you did Batman year one after yeah. The Dark Knight Returns. And now you're at the early stages of his career. Did that feel odd, starting with the later life Batman and then going to a younger one? Or did it make sense for you to approach it in that fashion? Well, I, I, uh, I know what, what happened was I, in, in, in preparing any, any um, major piece of work, you do what's called a backstory. And you, 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 have to, you have to essentially create the character and the world in which they inhabit. And so um, I knew I was doing a retired Batman. I didn't just need the story of why he retired. I needed the story of why he became Batman in the first place and how it happened. Um, all we ever knew in the past, really, was that, was that Bruce Wayne was a really rich kid, and his parents were murdered, and he turned himself into Batman. We didn't know how he managed to raise himself in a big old mansion from the age of six. We didn't learn how, how he became the greatest detective in the world, and, and, and how the hell he got all those great toys. Um, and so that became a story all by itself. And now we're, we're coming to a time, and we're in the middle of uh, 
DK3, the third story. But now it's a collaborative process for you. Is this different? Was it harder to approach it in this fashion? Or do you feel it, it brings on different textures and different ways of working on the book? Well, it's, it's uh, I mean, harder certainly not because, because you know, Brian is doing the heavy lifting. Um, in, terms of, in terms of the main difference in terms of how it um, affects what, what I'm thinking what I'm doing is Brian. These characters remain who they are, but um, but playing ideas off Brian and hearing his ideas has changed the level between all these characters, except for Gary. Um, I know Gary. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw it before, I was thinking about how you really, really affected a generation. Um, you really helped reinvent what comics were perceived to be at a time where you know they actually were kind of failing. Um, what I find interesting is a lot of artists identifying Dark Knight Returns as their entry point in comics, why they became artists. How do you feel about being that level of inspiration to this whole generation of creators for today? Well, um, on the one hand, I feel tremendously honored and gratified by that. On the other hand, I hope I didn't teach them too many bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the other side of the question, who do you consider your greatest inspirations, or where do you draw so much of your inspiration from? What, what previous cartoonists? <laughs> yeah, cartoonists? Well, by far and away, the, the most important cartoonist, um, in, as, a, as a reader and as, as an artist, is Will Eisner, um, whose who spirit uh, has changed everything about our books. Beyond that, there's um, Goliaths like Jack Kirby, who, who gave us the whole sense of what power and drama and opera could be in comics. After that, it's, it becomes such a smorgasbord of talent that, that um, it's, it's almost uncontrollable to stop. It's almost impossible to stop naming people, too. I have to name Lower, Joe Kubert, who, um, whose work really remains, to my mind, as good as comic books that have ever gotten. Um, and Neil Adams who personally was my mentor and teacher, and got me my first job in comics. And uh, I've just got my little notices, I have to make this the last question. You have a, such a great career between film, television, comic books. What do you feel most comfortable doing? Who do you feel, what do you want to feel that is your greatest body of work of everything that you've seen and worked on in time? I have to name the best story I ever got my hands on, which was 300. That's great. That's great. Well, I think all of us here, um, I'll speak for, I'm going to speak for the comic industry right now. Um, we all owe you a great um, thanks, and we appreciate all the work that's been accomplished by you. And I'm looking forward to the next four issues of DK3 and everything else that comes after that. Without a doubt. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Everybody will stay right where they're at. Oh, you better keep him quiet over there, or I'm gonna come over here and I'm gonna give you a beating of my own son. <laughs> anyway, tune in again to Pat Force Radio, and you will have the wackiness experience here at the Iceberg Lounge. This is me, the Penguin, signing off. You little whackers. Whack. <laughs>